So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money, episode 1374, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. It is Friday, June 24th. I'm so happy to be here with you. I hope you had a good week. I was in San Francisco this week visiting my colleagues at CNET for the first time going to the CNET headquarters on the West Coast. And I got a chance to also had the opportunity to have dinner with my parents. So it was a nice different week, although I did have to miss my son's birthday. My son's eighth birthday was on June 21st, but we are going to be celebrating big time this weekend. And he understands that mom has a big job and we were FaceTiming very early for me as he woke up on his birthday. And thanks to technology, it's like you can sort of be there. And so my advice to working parents, especially working moms that experience that mom guilt when they're not around, you can still make the moments count. And I will be making up for it this weekend. Trust me. This week, we focused on the racial wealth gap. If you haven't caught our episodes, please go back and check out Monday with Xavier Ramey in honor of Juneteenth. We had on the show Xavier Ramey, who's an award-winning social strategist and CEO of Justice Informed. He and I talked about the state of racial inequality, and Xavier gave some incredible thoughts and ideas around how to move the needle forward to reimagine the ways that we bring together our country and create social justice. On Wednesday, I went behind the scenes and brought to you an exclusive panel that I moderated back in May on how companies are thinking about social responsibility and the work that's yet to be done. That was an event in New York City hosted by Of Color, a financial wellness platform. My panelists included executives from Prudential and Fidelity, as well as the Aspen Institute. And coming up later on Ask Farnoosh, I'm going to be joined by my friend Bola Sekunbi. She's a friend and friend of the show. She's been on many times as the founder of Clever Girl Finance. And now she's out with her fourth book. It's called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones and Achieving Dreams. We're going to talk about her new release, which comes out July 6th. And she's going to help me tackle some of your money questions in just a moment. But first, let's go to the iTunes review section and pick our reviewer of the week, this person will get a free 15-minute money session with me. And this week, we're going to say thank you to Polly T. 820, who on Monday left review saying, uh, this show is transformative. And here's what Polly said. While I'm a new listener to this podcast, I was immediately hooked and binged episode after episode. What I love most is Farnoosh speaks to you like a relatable and trustworthy friend. To be honest, she gives off cool older cousin vibes. I like it. She eloquently talks about complex topics and provides a platform for her guests to share a diverse array of topics that can be relatable to all. While my friends might not be happy, I found this podcast because it's all I talk about. I am so happy and thank this show for my refreshed view on money. Polly, thanks for being such a devout listener. And even though you're getting side eye and some shade from your friends, 
I suspect that in good time, they will be coming to you with a lot of questions because you're going to be that friend in the friend group that uh, knows all the things about money and you're going to be invaluable to your friends pretty soon. They may not realize it yet, but um, I'm glad I'm rubbing off on you and I'm so honored to have you in the audience. You can email me, farnushitsomoneypodcast.com or DM me on Instagram and let me know you left this review. I'll send you a link and we will uh, hook up and get a time on the calendar for us to talk about whatever you want to talk about. All right, let's hit the mailbag with our friend Bola. Welcome back to So Money. It's so nice to reconnect after, well, I guess it's been a pandemic. And prior to this, you had another book. This is your fourth book we're celebrating. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you again, Farnoosh. This is exciting. It is exciting. And for you, I know I'm even a little nervous because you are, are someone who is very entrepreneurial, but tends to be more behind the scenes. Even your company, Clever Girl Finance, it's not like the Bola, you know, Bola Inc. It's like <laughs> you really put your audience first, which I so appreciate. But it is time for you to get the spotlight. <laughs> and your new book is that opportunity for you and for your audience who's been really dying to know more about you. So tell us about your new book. Yes. So I have a new book, my fourth book. It's called Choosing to Prosper. And it's really a personal story slash love letter to um, women like me who have goals and aspirations and just need the motivation to go about achieving them. So I talk about um, my childhood, what makes me me today, you know, coming from a background where my parents are first of first of everything, first to go to grade school, first go to high school, um, having aunts that are not formally educated, um, and just how that made me who I am today. I talk about my career, building my business, mental health challenges, dealing with imposter syndrome. And just, you know, I, I it's an honest, open book on my journey to achieving success on my own terms. And that's what I want to share with other women. Tell us a little bit about the adversities that your family experienced. I know when you were on the show previously, you talked a little bit about your Nigerian background and I, I was reading in the introduction to your book, your father, although very intelligent, didn't get a first grade education until he was a tween. 13, 13. yes. Um, 13. And yet, you know, he went on to be very successful and, you know, brought his family to this country. But tell us a, a, about some specifics about the Sukunbi family. Yeah. So, well, my, my, Sukunbi is my husband's name. So this would be my family. Oh, sorry. And, <laughs> you know, back then it was, I would say a different world, right? Um, my grandfather had multiple wives and it, in a sense, that was a show of wealth from a polygamous culture, but it wasn't like he could truly afford to have those multiple wives. He had five wives and multiple children. And so it ended up falling on the shoulders of the mothers to take care of their children. So my grandmother ended up becoming a petty trader, selling goods and little products to be able to take care of her kids. And my grandfather was also not a big believer in what he described as colonial education. He had a big distrust of just the British, just given the history of slavery and um, things like that. And so when formal education started making its way through the towns, he was very hesitant. And he felt that if anybody was going to get formally educated, it would be his sons who were the smarter ones who could see through any shadiness that was involved. And so my dad ended up going to grade school at 13 
it was, there was a lot of resistance for him to go and also not enough money. And his twin sister ended up not going. So my dad was formerly educated, grade school, high school. He has multiple PhDs. And my aunt does not read or write in the formal sense of education. And so when I think about that, and I think about the women on my father's side of the family and the fact that they did not have the opportunity to be educated, and I'm here now with this opportunity it just is a motivator for me to do well because I don't have any other choice but to do well and to make my my parents and my family proud. And, you know, my grandmother, she named me, my full name is Mojibola, and it means I was born into wealth. And I feel that she named me that because she put all the aspirations and hopes that she had for herself and for her daughters into me, her granddaughter, hoping that I would be able to accomplish those dreams. Mm. So um, that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> Your book is again called Choosing to Prosperous. It's an interesting choice of words because some people may not feel like they even have the choice. They can't afford to choose, right? Even to be able to have options in life. We talk about it on the show a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to sometimes have money and 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 uh, and agency, financial agency. So what would you say to your reader who comes to the book, wants to believe that she can choose for herself, but feels like she is facing so many headwinds and obstacles. <laughs> well, I've definitely felt that way. And, you know, I named that book Choosing to Prosper because it's that idea of prosperity to me is an intentional, active choice. It's a choice that I have to make every day that I wake up, despite the statistics for people like me, for Black women, um, for minorities, despite what's going on in the world, despite the doom and the gloom, we turn in the news, that's all you see. And it's really by me making that intentional choice each day that I want to prosper. It's just setting the stage and adjusting my mindset on how I want to proceed with my life and the actions I take in that day and allowing myself to make progress no matter how small towards my goals. Mm -hmm. So for someone who is in that space where they're like, I don't have any options, it's really difficult to be in this mindset where I'm being told I can choose to prosper, you just start small, set the intention for that day, for that next hour that you are going to be intentional about the choices you take that lead to your own prosperity. What was your support system as you were building your business, as you were going along your own professional journey? I think that, yes, there's so much mindset and accountability that will get us so far. But if you think about it too, in my life, having the right support system, people who not just advocate for you, but introduce you to opportunities, praise you when you're not in the room. Um, This sort of advocacy and sponsorship Mm -hmm. is so important. What was that like for you? And what is your recommendation for others who want to go about creating that community for themselves so that they can prosper? Yeah. So today I have a village of a support system, but um, it wasn't always that way. I am introverted by nature, which means sometimes I don't want support even when I need it. (laughs) But um, my support system starting out has been my mom. She's my ultimate cheerleader. I'm her only daughter of four children. And she just wants to see girls and women succeed, just given the background that we come from, right, where there was a woman's place. And um, my husband also has always been a cheerleader for me in terms of my goals and ambitions. And when I first started my career, um, I was very, very quiet, very, very reserved. It was actually a struggle for me to go to meetings. And um, I ended up being paired um, as part of our company structure with a career counselor. And she was a senior executive at 
the company. And I realized that I needed people like this to support me and to guide me and to coach me. So I started going out of my way to seek out these women individual to, individually to support me. However, when it came to starting my own business, I just didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want anybody to, I was afraid of failing. So I didn't want to put it out there in case it didn't work. And I remember uh, I had left my job and my coworker was reaching out to me saying, you should talk to so-and-so from work. They're a serial entrepreneur. They know what you're talking about. They know where you, they've, they've been where you're trying to get to. And I'm like, no, there's no way I'm telling anybody from the office about my business now. And then I get a phone call and he's like, I heard you're starting a business. You and I need to talk. And in that moment, I realized that again, another reminder, I needed this support, I needed this mentorship. And since then, I've been more intentional about seeking out people who have more experience than me, who are better equipped than me, who, even if they don't have the experience, have the positive words and motivation to share with me to, to pick me up on bad days. And having that support system is essential, um, because no man or woman is an island. And so for someone who is struggling with um, finding that support system, sometimes it may not be in your immediate circle. Sometimes the people around you don't have any support to give you. In fact, they're naysayers who will kill your dreams. I remember, um, you know, starting my career and wanting to do a, do a business. And my aunties would say, well, this business you're doing, aren't you going to get married? Don't you want to mm. find a husband? Yeah. <laughs> they were not in support of me. So sometimes it's not the people in, you know, it's not your family, it's not your friends, but it's seeking intentionally, maybe people at work, maybe um, networking through people that you know, maybe even finding, you know, building relationships through online communities, right? But having that support system is essential. Yeah. It, it, what your experience reminds me of a quote from a, a guest that was on the show <laughs> recently, Catherine Finney. She's a serial entrepreneur and she's got a book out called Build the Damn Thing. And she said in her final uh, quote on the show, mm -hmm. she said, you know, Farnoosh, I want everyone to know that the universe wants you to succeed. Sometimes there are individuals that don't want you to succeed. Don't mistake that, though, that the universe does ultimately want to see you prosper. And I thought that's an important reminder because we can get slowed down. We can get bogged down yes. by these individual, this, this feedback that we haven't solicited. <laughs> you know, it's often like this person who has no interest, no stake in your success and has something to share. And you can't get that out of your head, but uh, you, have to, <laughs> you have to consciously, you know, kick them out really out of your mind. It's so important. So something really important I've learned is that sometimes it's it has nothing to do with you. Um, a lot of times it has to do with the other person and their own priorities and their own expectations that they project on you with their feedback. And so don't read too much into it. And people are giving you negative feedback. Focus on your own goals and what you want to accomplish. Well, it's so timely that we have you on this program because we got a question from the audience. Uh, this is Ask Farnoosh and Bola Hour. And uh, we got a really um, timely question <laughs> from someone in the audience. And I'm going to pull it up now because I think she could really use some inspiration and guidance. Um, talk about, you know, needing to believe in yourself. But here is the question. Sarah, she writes, she says, Farnoosh, I ended a traumatic and abusive relationship. I'm on the other side of things. I've paid off my student loans, my legal fees while working a minimum wage job for two years. I'm 35 years old. I'm debt free. I make $50,000 a year. I have around $40,000 invested in real estate. I have $10,000 for a rainy day fund. I've started to learn more about investing. And my goal is to eventually 
triple my income to $150,000 a year, maybe even more. I want to buy a house. I want to do it all, but I don't know how to do it. I have no clue, she says. Can you give me one piece of advice on what would be a good starting point for earning more money and uh, buying a house so that I can break out of this plateau? Plateau, she said. I'm currently applying for jobs that would increase my salary, but I haven't had much luck. Can I just say one thing to Sarah Bola is that I don't think she's giving herself enough credit. She says, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to start. I was going to say the same. I'm plateauing. I'm like, girl, have you heard yourself? Have you seen the work? First of all, ending up an abusive relationship. Okay. That's in and of itself. She managed to save all this money. She's investing and she's 35. So, you know, I think that's excellent for where she's at in her life and and so far as where she's come. I mean, maybe, yes, she's not where she'd like to be salary-wise. She hasn't bought a house yet, but frankly, who has been successful buying a house, (laughs) you know, in the last year? It's a tough market. (laughs) Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. What What would you add to Sarah? I absolutely agree with you, Farnoosh. You know, Sarah, I need you to pause for a second and acknowledge yourself and acknowledge the progress that you have made leaving that relationship, paying off your student loans, paying legal fees. You have an investment portfolio. You need to pat yourself on the back, pause and celebrate yourself. And I see so many women in this similar space where they're like, oh, I haven't done much. I haven't made any progress. I'm behind. Um, You're doing amazing, but you need to acknowledge yourself and then keep taking those actions. You're well on your way, right? You're investing, you're saving, you're pursuing getting a higher paying job. Maybe you want to consider starting a side hustle. Um, you know, Maybe you want to consider other ways you can invest in yourself to improve skill sets or qualifications to get the higher paying job. But please do not downplay the accomplishments you have made thus far. Acknowledge yourself, celebrate what you have done. You are amazing. And Sarah, I would go back to an episode that I did on reverse engineering. Reverse engineering, Bola, for me has been a huge technique um, in terms of like identifying a goal and then figuring out the steps that I have to take to achieve that goal. Whether it's like, okay, I want to work Mm -hmm. in broadcast journalism. How do I do that? Go and find the people who are doing that read their bios, maybe send them an email and have them answer a couple questions for you, take them out to coffee and understand what it took for other people to achieve similar goals. You know, so if you want to earn $150,000 a year, okay, what is that job? Where does that job exist? Who's Mm -hmm. doing that job right now? And this person may be senior to you, five years, 10 years ahead of you, but network with that person or join a network where you're going to have access to people who are not doing the job you have, but doing the job you want. And where are they working? What skills do they have that maybe you need to acquire with every goal you have, whether it's how to get out of debt, how to earn more money, how to invest, um, you know, have that goal, very important to anchor you. But the strategy comes from observing and studying how others have done it in many, in many cases. All right. Another question here from Stephanie Bola. She and her partner recently moved from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins. Uh, She's very lucky. She says her parents purchased their house for them uh, with the intention that Stephanie and her partner would 
basically uh, buy it back from the parents and own it in two years. For this transaction, she's going to need $160,000 as her down payment. And so the plan, right, is to save 20% or more of their income. And additionally, they have a rental income from the house that they previously owned, and they're going to save that rental income and put it towards this $160,000 down payment. They're about 20% there. They have Mm $30,000 saved to put towards that down payment. So they've got a ways to go. They've got to save about another $130,000. So here's the question. As they save, where should they put this money? They want it to grow, but then they don't want to also risk it. They have two years, remember, to reach this goal. So I don't think we want to put it in the stock market, especially how it's been behaving lately. <laughs> this is not really a motivational question, but it's really a technical question. I know you've got a lot of good technical advice in your arsenal as well. So what would you say to Stephanie and her partner? So given that the timeline is two years, which is a short period of time, keep it liquid. And especially given your risk tolerance, um, you know, high interest savings accounts, if we can call them high interest right now, or even exploring certificate of deposits uh, within that two year time frame that might have higher interest rates than a traditional savings account. But I wouldn't tie up that money knowing that you have this time frame by which you need that additional $130,000. Um, I wouldn't tie it up in the stock market or in any other type of, you know, real estate investments, etc. And I know a question that might that might be raised is like, well, inflation is is high, right? But again, this is money that you need in the next 24 months. So yeah. I would recommend keeping it liquid. Yeah. You know, if you really are sure about those two years that you're not going to need this for a minimum two years, you may want to look into an I-bond, which we've talked about on this show. Now they do have limitations. Mm -hmm. You can't put all six figures into an I-bond, but every year you can contribute. You and your partner can each contribute $10,000, up to $10,000 in an I-bond, which tracks inflation and it's earning a lot more than whatever I'm sure your bank account's giving you. But there is that requirement that you keep the money in there for one year. And then Anytime you pull the money out up to five years, you'll lose the last three months of interest. But I think where inflation is and your timeline, even if you lose those last three months of interest, if you got 21 months of of good interest, uh, you're still doing better than if you had it tucked in uh, a vanilla bank account. I think the rate right now on I-bonds is like over eight or nine percent. It's it's pretty remarkable. Now that can fluctuate. It resets every you know, every six months or so. So, you know, just caveating that. But I agree with you, Bola. This is not money that you want to tie up seriously or risk. Don't put it in crypto. No, (laughs) not right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, Bola, you have a whole community of women at Clever Girl Finance that are interested in investing. How often is crypto coming up and what's your guidance on that? Crypto is coming up every single day, pretty much, right? It, as, there was one point earlier this year where it was like the hottest topic and almost on social media being depicted as, as this get rich quick, anybody could do it. And my guidance is, you know, it's a volatile investment, it is a valid investment, but you want to make sure you have your core foundational investments in place. And if you can't afford to lose it, right? think through, think back to the gold rush or go online and read about the gold rush. If you can't afford to lose it, if you cannot afford to see your investment tax 70, 80%, then it's okay to be traditional. 
I mean, you got to have some risk tolerance there. <laughs> I agree. I think that whoever's doing PR for crypto is, you know, they're <laughs> hire me. <laughs> they're doing a great job because they're getting a lot of people uh, betting the farm and cashing out their four hundred one ks and doing over overextending themselves. Yeah. Whether we're talking about crypto or even a stock market, you have to be sensible. You have to be diversified. And so, yes, crypto can be part of your strategy, but it shouldn't be your only strategy or the majority strategy. That's just advice that is not new. Like you got to diversify. It's rule number one. Speaking of investing, we have a, a question from Shelly. She has actually two questions. The first one is about investing and it's about how much to invest towards retirement after maxing out your 401k. She has an assumption that you have to do more, but I would say, wait, 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 let's wait a minute. Let's do the math. Like, do you even have to do more than that? Um, have you done, have you run the calculators? What's your advice as far as like how much to save for retirement? Yeah, I think it's important to just think about what is your ideal retirement, right? What is your end goal? Um, just because you hear the media saying you need millions of dollars doesn't mean that you actually need millions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Where do you imagine yourself retiring? What city, what state, what country? What is the cost of living there right now? And there are calculators that can help you project it into the future. And then use it as your baseline to determine what your end goal number is, right? It might be that your current contributions to your 401k over time is enough to get you that ideal lifestyle. Or it could be that maybe you want to invest more, right? So maybe you're, you open an additional tax um, benefit retirement account like a, a traditional IRA or Roth IRA, but I, re I think you really need to stop and determine what are your goals? What is What does retirement look for for you? Um, what is your ideal lifestyle and what does that ideal lifestyle cost? And there's calculators online that you can use to run some scenarios to help you get a, a, a range. Yes. Got to run those numbers. I'll put a couple of retirement calculator links in our show notes, but I would also really quick something everyone can do. You can go to the social security website. Yeah. So much fun. Um, and <laughs> You know, go through the prompts to identify, they'll, they'll give you an estimate of what your social security payments will be at retirement. Um, a lot of us think it's going to be nothing, but you might be surprised to see what the government has in store for you because you've been doing the good job of paying the tax. And, and so it's not going to obviously pay for your lifestyle, but it's an important variable in that calculation. Because when you go to these retirement calculators, they will ask for, to the best of your knowledge, you know, how much you're going to be producing on a monthly, yearly basis at retirement or how much you want to be making. And so it's important to know this. I mean, it could be thousands of dollars, which is not nothing. That's for some people yeah. significant. And depending on where you live and your cost of living, that could cover a lot. Uh, so check it out. And also I want to throw out um, another resource for everybody uh, Money with Katie podcast, we had the host, Katie Gaddy, on So Money. And we talked about this. We talked about what you point out, Bola, which is that the media and their, the financial institutions who have a, they have an invested interest in um, getting us to <laughs> save more for retirement, they'll throw out these big wild numbers like you need $2 million, $5 million. But that's, of course, very relative. It's very specific to the person. And these are just roundabout averages. So don't hear that and get and freak out. And Katie and I talked about the true number that you really need it could be a lot less. Uh, good news, you probably don't need millions of dollars. 
You yeah. probably could yeah. do okay if you're healthy too. Remember, if you're that's healthy, a big factor, huge. It's kind of the most important factor. If you are mm-hmm. able-bodied and able to continue working in your seventies and you know for as long as you want, then I think you have a lot less to worry about in terms of having to save all of the money by a certain age. Uh, you have more flexibility and options in retirement. Agreed. Yeah. So, Bola, before we wrap, advice for your readers maybe taking some pages out of your book, but also maybe some pages that you weren't able to write because your book came out before we thought we were heading into a recession. Um, what's, your, right, what's your advice for those who we want to prosper? We want to feel empowered, take advantage of the freedom of choice. And yet we look at where the world is headed and there's so much to worry about. There's a lot of fear the recession, inflation, there are certain policies and laws that are not working in favor of things like financial independence and female financial independence in general, it specifically. What do you what's your advice? Has your tune changed a little bit with where we are in the world? No, my tune hasn't changed. I think sometimes it's important to dim the noise, to minimize the panic and just focus on doing your best, focus on continuing to pursue your goals. I mean, obviously, during times like this in a recession, and when all the news is doom and gloom, you want to be more mindful of how you're spending and make sure that you can keep an income coming in, right? especially with job security being something top of of one's mind. And sometimes you have to do what you need to do in order to survive and get through, right? It could be you lose your job, but then you, you find a job that's um, at a lesser skill set or uh, you know lesser qualifications than what you have, but you take it anyway so you can continue to keep that income coming in while you continue to pursue your goals and then eventually get back to where you were. So dim the noise, uh, dust off your goals, focus on what you want to accomplish. You might need to readjust your plans given economic climates, given different circumstances, but don't lose hope. Um, you know, when you look back historically at um, difficult economic times, recessions, depressions, there is always that silver lining where we see stories of groups of people who end up being massively successful despite what was happening. And so why can't you be one of those people, right? Don't get caught up in the pity party. Woe is me, doom and gloom. The world is ending because that pauses you in your tracks. And because you're so caught up in the doom and gloom, you can miss the opportunities that come by. So dim the noise, minimize the panic, and then get clarity on what you want to achieve. Well said. And we'll try. We will try. Yes, we will try. It's an effort. (laughs) Uh, Bolissa Kumbi, thank you so much. And congratulations. Choosing to Prosper is your new book available July 6th. Yes. Exciting. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> Thank you for an interview.